You are listening to Video Games to the Medium, a W2M Net original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for more content like this. This is Video Games to the Medium, episode three, I believe. I'm Mark Morrison. I'm here with Jens Dietrich. Hey, Mark. Pleasure to be here, as always. Howdy. Today, we're having a special episode where we interview Natalie Lander. Uh, Natalie is a actress and daughter of David Lander and Kathy Lander. David Lander uh, is an actor popular from uh, Laverne and Shirley's Squiggy and being a veteran character and voice actor as well. Kathy uh, was an actress in the 60s and 70s, uh, eventually became a photographer and feng shuiist, according to Natalie. Natalie herself has been acting for over 15 years, appearing in popular shows like The Middle, Hannah Montana, and Lopez. The reason she's with us today is she's also a very prolific voice actress in video games, doing vocal work in Saints Row, God of War, and Final Fantasy, to name a few. She's here with us today to talk about her work. Hi. Howdy. Good morning. How's London? Just kidding. Yep. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Can we tell everyone that I thought you guys were all in London for some weird reason? <laughs> I don't know why. I wish I were in London. Yeah. I just really made that up. <laughs> One of my favorite cities. So, so yeah, I, I wouldn't mind that, actually. Guys, let's just leave and record this in London. I'll meet you there in 24 hours. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, Natalie. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank, thank you for preparing. And thanks for reading our new um, intro, which yeah. we're going to premiere on this episode. Ooh. I was very excited about that recording. Yes, it's my pleasure. I, you know, Mark and I have known each other online for a long time now. And it's funny how, you know, the internet really does connect people and you really feel like they're part of your world. And so when Mark reached out to me, I was like, absolutely, I'd love to do that. You're much better than our sleepy guy who did it originally. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, good. As long as I beat someone else, I was super happy to do it. Thank you. So I fully admit that I know you almost exclusively from your video game work, mm -hmm. but I've actually seen your grandmother, uh, Polly Bergen, in tons of stuff. Oh, wow. Yes. Including one of my favorite miniseries ever, The Winds of War. And Steel Magnolias, of course. And Cape Fear, one of the greatest thrillers wow. ever. Wow, I haven't even seen that. <laughs> I mean, what a performance. Oh, wow. No, she's dynamite. Mark pointed out to me that she was your grandmother, and I was like, holy crap. <laughs> I've seen so much of her stuff. And she's got an interesting connection to my other podcast as well, The Goldsmith Odyssey, because she's also been on Playhouse 90 and Dr. Kildare, which are shows that we cover. Oh, wow. Kind of inter an interesting connection there, too. Wow. Do you have a favorite movie of your grandmother's? Um, yeah, actually I do, but I wonder if it's, it's funny because I saw it at a very informative age when I was around eight, cause it was mm -hmm. sort of like the only movie that maybe was really appropriate for a kid. Um, and it was with, oh my God, who was it with? Well, it was Move Over Darling. Do you, do you know that one? Oh, I don't know that one at all. I think Sandra D was in it and it was her and basically it was about like, a woman, like, 
basically like the new wife. And my gr- my grandmother was like the new sexy mm. like wife coming in. <laughs> it's probably extremely sexist and would never be made today. But um, I just remember liking it. And there was a lot of like physical comedy in it. And, you know, that wasn't a very... Oh, formative, not informative time. I'm like, inform. I guess it was informative. <laughs> Hello, I'm Doris Day, and on the other side of this hedge, James Garner, who plays my husband, is making love to Polly Bergen, who plays his wife. Now, wait a minute, what am I saying? I'm his wife, and she's his wife. Huh? That's right. And if you oh. want to have the laugh of your life, watch them unscramble this torrid triangle in their new movie, Move Over, Darling. I always take old movies in the spirit of the era in which they were made, so I, I don't... I, whatever sexism wouldn't bother me. Yes. But uh, I'll have to seek that out. I guess she didn't show you Cape Fear when you were eight. That was probably too much. Yeah, it was a little a little too intense for me. <laughs> but And then she also did a lot of Broadway, so I grew up going to see her on stage performing a lot. And, and then we got to do... Um, she did a concert in LA and I got to sing a duet with her when I was like 17. <laughs> so it was really cool. She's always, always so encouraging to me. Her Playhouse 90 that she did was, was the Helen Morgan story about the famous singer. And I think she did an album of her, of her covering her songs as well later. Yeah, she was nominated, I think, for an Emmy for that one, the Helen Morgan story. So yeah, oh, I love that. She was really cool. <laughs> So one thing I was going to ask you, kind of related to your grandmother's story, did your parents encourage you to become an actress, or did she encourage you, or how do, how, like, how does your story really begin? So from very early on, from what I can remember, I always knew I wanted to be an actor, and I really idolized my dad growing up. I mean, obviously, he, <laughs> I think a lot of people did, and, um, you know, they weren't discouraging, but they weren't necessarily, I really wanted to be a child actress. Like I wanted to be on Nickelodeon, like so bad or Disney channel or something like that. And I wasn't really great with, um, school, like academics, you know, I am definitely a right brain, you know, creative and not really into like, uh, <laughs> math and science. Obvi- Duh. I'm like the flakiest, weirdest person. <laughs> I thought you guys were in London, mm. so who knows? Um, but, um, I didn't really like school. And so I really wanted to pursue acting as a kid so I could do that and not have to go to school. But my parents were very, very adamant that I was not a kid actor. And so, and I understand that. And I think, you know, I think I still have like resentment towards them <laughs> at times. I'm like, they should have let me start earlier. But no, I I'm in therapy, so well, no. isn't everybody? <laughs> I mean, I am, but <laughs> therapy's great. <laughs> they sh- everyone should be. Therapy's wonderful. Yeah. But <laughs> so they weren't like, no, you need to become a doctor or something like that. They were like you can pursue acting after you get through high school and college. And in the meantime, you should get really involved in your theater department. You should take acting classes. You should, you know, do community theater. And that's what I did. And then I also was allowed, the one thing I was allowed to do was voiceover. So I started doing voiceover when I was nine and 
that was like my professional outlet. And I'm really grateful because, you know, voiceovers are really small, tough industry to break into. And so I really don't think I would be where I am in my voiceover career if I hadn't started so much younger in building relationships and things like that. So that's that's kind of what how that all happened. That was very responsible of your parents. You escaped the child actor curse. Ugh, I know. I really wanted to be in rehab by now. <laughs> 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 well, you're in therapy, so that's something. Give it time. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's still a chance. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You believe in me. <laughs> uh, at least according to IMDb, one of your first roles was in uh, voicing a character in Rogue Galaxy. And that was, I mean, that game is 19 years old, or uh, 14 years old now. Like 2005. Yeah, oh, that's pretty old. That is. Oh, my God. Yes. You know, and it's so funny. So, yeah, that was in 2005, you said? Wow. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense because I had just graduated college. And I'll never forget. I, I had done other video games that maybe just came out later. Um, but I had only done, like, small little bit parts in them. So I recorded for like one session and that, that was the whole game. There were a couple character, like a couple roles where it's just like generic female skater or teen female <laughs> three. So they aren't exactly yeah. like the name named main characters or anything like that. Exactly. So I just thought like when you did a video game, like it takes you one four hour session and you go home. And, um, and so I remember actually for the callback to that one, I brought my dad with me Oh, that's not cute. And so um, he came with me because I was like, you know, still pretty new and starting out. And then when I got the job, I had like a full like four hour session and I was done. And then I said, well, it was really nice to meet you guys. Like, thanks for having me. And they were like, no, no, no. We're going to be seeing you for like months, if not for the next year. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I had no idea. I didn't even know that that was like a lead character. I had no clue when I went in for it. I just thought, oh, this is like a person in, in the game. Man, that game has hours and hours of voice, <laughs> voice yeah, dialogue. I, it's huge. I know. I think I did record it for about a year. Um, I mean, obviously wow. not a, not straight for a year. Like they record where in like these chunks. So it might be like, oh, I'd go in for like th two sessions or three sessions in a, a month and then four months would go by and then I'd go in for another couple sessions. Like It was like here and there, but definitely went on for a year. But it was just so funny how I thought, oh, what? I had no idea, which maybe is better that I had no clue because it I, you know, had no pressure. What's the process of that kind of localization? Do you, do you go back to the original Japanese for reference or is it, uh, is it more that you kind of do your own take on things? Like how much direction were they giving you? Yeah. So with like those games, like, um, Rogue Galaxy and Final Fantasy, um, and like the Fire Emblem, I can't even say we'll it. We'll get into those two later on. Trust me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <sighs> I have no answers for those. They're all so confusing. Um, but for those <laughs> games... They're too anime. Yeah, I'm like, I the storylines, I'm like, huh? Yeah, so for those games, they're originally made in Japanese. And so what happens is you, I get shown a, a clip of 
the Japanese line. You, we go line by line. It's it's a pretty slow process. So I get shown a clip of the Japanese version, and they've written an English line that has sort of the same meaning, but also fits in the exact timing. So sometimes they've written something that doesn't quite fit in the timing of the Japanese. So we'll kind of have to rewrite it in the booth and figure out how to mush it in there. And also I have to follow the kind of cadence that the Japanese has. So that's why some of those lines have funny, like funny delivery. Like instead of being like, I think we should go over there. I'm matching the Japanese, like the way their voice pattern goes. So it's like, I think we should go over there. Like, you know, and it's like, what? Who talks like that? But it's because I'm matching like the Japanese and they went at the end. And so (laughs) that's what that is. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, It always amuses me. Sometimes this happens in games when um, you can tell that the voice actor, you know, improvised something or improved something in the booth, but they didn't update the script. So the subtitles are still just a regular script and you see the mismatch and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, the voice actor did something here. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. And that might be when we like rewrote it because it did, or I don't rewrite it. I I won't give myself that credit, but (laughs) when they're rewriting it in the booth, because it's like, you know, you only have like, I mean, and it, it comes down to where they're like, you have a second, two seconds and a quarter to fit this you know, 10 word sentence in. And you're like, how is that possible? But you know, we work it out. Since you're a professional, I'm curious what your process is when it comes to taking care of your voice. Are there any particular like things you eat or drink before recording or any other routine preparation that you do? No, I'm pretty, I'm pretty terrible, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> At least <yeah>. you're honest. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, <clears throat> I feel like when I was younger, I used to like, you know, take more precautions, let's say. But now, like, as I've gotten older and I kind of know my instrument and my body, it's like, no, like, pretty much like, you know, like they say, like, don't drink. Winging it. Yeah, I just show up. I'm like, hungover. I'm like, yo. Um, no. <laughs> no, I'm not. It, sleep helps. I do get a lot of sleep. I'm pretty, like, I go to bed pretty early in general. And I'd say, like, in general, I'm a very healthy person. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty much just like me, but I don't like warm up in the car. I mean, if I have like a session that's at nine in the morning and I have to be there, I definitely wake up, you know, hours before to like wake up and also drive and, you know, kind of just like get your body, you know, functioning. Yeah. Um, but that's about it. (laughs) Did you have your voice insured? I mean, no. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Like how JLo has her butt insured apparently or something. <laughs> I had a really bad cold and I, I get sick like once or twice a year and I just am getting over it now. So I actually have a lot of like grasp in my voice that I don't normally have. That's okay. It's sultry. <laughs> right? It's so cool. I wish. Exactly. <laughs> Is there a niche voice or like a money voice that you develop that you tend to fall back on in a pinch? Yeah. You know, I think... I think when I go in for those animate style games, there is a style of voice that they really like that I kind of can 
tap into and it's really similar like you do like young female very well (laughs) right exactly it's like kind of this it's very it's a little ethereal and like it's like in the front of my face and my nose you know I feel like that's that anime style and they tend to really like that but then when I do like I I did a Disney cartoon for a couple seasons like that one I played an eight-year-old girl and like that's like this like little kid voice that I do that's that's like easy to for me to like kind of lock into and do different variations on for characters. But it's all kind of around the similar, you know, vein. Well, speaking of the anime voice, uh, like you said earlier, you voice a popular voice in Final Fantasy is Tara Branford mm-hmm. from, I think, Final Fantasy five and on. And like the city and stuff. Yeah. 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 How did you get picked for that role? Did you just audition? Or... Yeah, I just auditioned for that. And I, here's the thing. I, I I don't know if this is like good or bad, but I like don't know anything about video games <laughs> at yeah. all. So I, I sent yeah. Yen's a video of you playing Saints Row 4. The character creator. Oh, my God. Some machinima thing from like, you know, when that game was first coming out. And his response, I think your response was, I don't think she's ever <laughs> held a controller before. <laughs> yeah, guys. <laughs> I like, picked up a controller. Like, it's so big. <laughs> like the last video game console that I owned was like the Nintendo, <laughs> like the original Nintendo. <laughs> like, you know, all I played was like Duck Hunt and like uh, Super Mario Brothers 3. That was like my favorite game ever and so yeah so I I don't know a lot about video games so which is kind of probably a good thing because I feel like when I do audition for these things there's like it's not like I know well also you know what no I take that back because a lot of times when I audition for these things it's there's secret titles and they don't tell you what you're auditioning for so you just yeah they call it like project x and you're like okay and you know they give it a a fake name. So I'm pretty sure when I went in for the final fantasy, I didn't know what it was and it wasn't until I got it that they were like, Oh, this is final fantasy. And I was like, cool. What's that? (laughs) And they're like, Oh my God, (laughs) who is this person? (laughs) We hate her. (laughs) Um, but now I know what it is. Don't worry guys. (laughs) But yeah, it was just a regular audition. Um, it was actually the same, recording studio that I recorded Rogue Galaxy at. And I think the reason why I got called in was because the engineer there, um, a woman named Rita, she was like really fun to work with and I re- and really liked me and, and brought me in to read for, recommended me for Tara in Final Fantasy. And that's the one I wound up getting. So it's kind of cool. It's also like, you know, that's why voiceover is such a small little world. It's really like you kind of get to know a few people and then you're sort of in the circle but compared to like other voice actors i'm like haven't done anything like you think of like laura bailey or troy baker and oh my god they've been in a thousand things who would you say is your most important networking connection that you've had so far there's some directors that i've worked with multiple times um like a woman named chris zimmerman um she's a voice director which projects I don't know where we started together, but she did some of the fire emblem. Is it just emblems? Emblem. Just emblem? (laughs) Guys, what's wrong with me? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know how to read, but, you know, I'm making it. (laughs) 
it's early for you, so it's understandable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yesterday was 4th of July, and I'm not going to lie, I did have two margaritas. <laughs> so that's a lot for me. <laughs> um, Fire Emblem. I have a hard time saying that. Um, but yes, Chris directed one, voice directed one of those. She did some of the God of War. Yeah. Oh. So in, in God of War 3, she, um, that's where I first met her, was in God of War 3. And Very cool. she directed that. And she co-directed it with um, Gordon Hunt, who passed away, who was a really wonderful director. So, yeah, it's cool how you get to, you know, you see familiar faces and and then you're like, hire me, please. <laughs> what do you think has been your most popular voice actor role? Well, I think the ones that the fans are the most interactive about is Kinsey Kensington from Saints Row. Makes sense. Because she's just like, well, she's really cool. I mean, she's like one of my favorites and the guy who created her, Steve Jaros, like he's wonderful and he just, you know, created such a dynamic, interesting character that's also a character that like for me like physically and like isn't really someone I would ever get cast as like, you know, a former FBI agent like what, you know. <laughs> I so it's it was a she's really one of my favorites and I think the fans are just really drawn to her because she's kind of like does her own thing and like is always on her computer <laughs> so and she's quirky yeah, she's really the breakout character from that series I mean I think they were trying to make Johnny Gat more of a thing in the first game but it's really I think it's Kinsey that everybody l- latched on to and you're so good as Kinsey I guess I mean it's just fantastic oh thanks I really love her and did you guys hear they're making Making a live action, Mark. I think you told mm-hmm. me that. Did you? Yeah, tell I me think that? I, I was like, if you should be playing that role in that movie, if they had the character, if they were smart, they would do it. I emailed my manager. I was like, I better get in for this, <laughs> and I was like, but even if I don't, like, I mean, look, the reality is they'd probably cast like you know Margot Robbie or someone, but maybe I could play like a small part in it, and it would be like a fun Easter egg for the fans, you know. But. That's wishful thinking. We'll see. We'll get there. We'll get there. But I'm working on it. So thanks for telling me because if you guys hear anything, let me know and I'll bug people. <laughs> We've got a whole batch of just Kinsey related questions. Okay. But um, I'm, I'm actually just I'm looking at uh, Mark's notes for the show. Uh, just going back to Fire Emblem for a second. Yeah. Is that connection who brought you onto that series or, or did somebody? How did you get that? That was yes. Actually, that was um, the director, Chris Zimmerman had me come in and audition for that. And that game, I had no idea how big that franchise is either. And I'm still kind of like (laughs) learning about it. People like really love it. How long has that one been around? Well, at least 20 years, I think. Really? Wow. So it's like a Final Fantasy kind of. Game Boy, right? It was on the original Game Boy. Wasn't there a Fire Emblem on it? I think so. That's been around since at least a like no, since the original Nintendo. Wow. Wow. I'm surprised I didn't play it. Yeah. <laughs> I had the OG. I mean, it's, it's primarily like a Japanese <laughs> franchise, but it's kind of been coming over here over the past few years or, you know, past decade or so. So Yeah. I didn't really get into them until Awakening. That's fun. I know. I've never been able. I've never played it. Neither have I. So we're in the same boat. Come on, Mark. Do your research. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Mark, I would have for sure thought you'd have played at least one of them. Well, that's primarily like a Game Boy Advance franchise and I didn't have that system really oh okay yeah we don't blame you it's okay (laughs) we forgive you 
<laughs> the 3DS game, I think, is when it really blew up. No, so, it, I mean, it really blew up when they put Marth and Smash Brothers. <laughs> they put Marth and Smash Bros. because Awakenings was so big. Hmm. I'm learning. <laughs> so you said you voiced, uh, I mean, you did vocal work for Rogue Galaxy for about a year. Was that like your most difficult or like time-consuming role? Or has, has there been like others? Hmm. You know, I think actually the most kind of, in, like, I think Saints Row I worked on for a long time too. I mean, all of them kind of take a while. Yeah. Um, but I think the one that was the most intense of a process and like a serious process was definitely God of War 3. Because they also did, they didn't do full mocap, but they did some facial, like, I don't know what they call it. It's not... Like dots or, yeah. Yeah, didn't have... give a camera. Yeah, they had, like, a camera, like, you know, like, right on my face. (laughs) And, um... The video for what you're doing is pretty great right now. (laughs) I know. Don't you wish everyone could see this? This is what it looked like. Um, they had it, like, super close up, and so... That one was, and they were really into like wanting like very real cinematic performances. And that one, like we recorded at Sony, like that one was like a big, a big one. Um, And so I remember just feeling like, okay, this is like a serious thing. (laughs) I mean, we had a table read for the video game and I've never had that before, but it was a, it was cool, and that was that was another one where I was like, I had no idea what God of War was. <laughs> well, at least you don't. I'm like, oh, you don't have any uh, predisposition to the role. It's not like someone goes, "Oh, here's Final Fantasy," and you go, "Oh man, I don't know how I'm going to do this voice." And you're like, "I don't know who this character is. <laughs> Let's just do it." Yeah, I just kind of go with like my uh, instinct, and I'm like, "Well, here, here let's try this." Um, so yeah, but that was kind of the most like intense one. I feel like. And that was my first one I feel like that was really like I kind of understood people being fanatics about video games. Rogue Galaxy I feel like was a big game but like a little more niche maybe. Oh yeah. And also that, it was like – That was a pretty late game yeah. for that system as well. Like so it didn't – like it was popular but it didn't like blow everyone away at the, t- at the time necessarily. But then after years after it became a pretty good big cult classic. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I also feel like social media was really different back then. And and so God of War was like the first one where I was like, oh, wow, like people are like fans of this. Mm-hmm. And the, and it's like a thing. So that was a, a neat experience. Well, any more general questions, Jens? Do you want to break into the Kinsey material now? <laughs> Let's just talk about Saints Row. I'm, I'm a huge Saints Row fan. One of my favorite series. Saints Row 3, especially one of my favorite games ever. Oh, good. Mark, do you want to do you want to start off? Yeah, the obvious question is, how did you get the role? Or, like, I mean, I assume you auditioned, but did they seek you out specifically? No, that one I didn't know anyone involved with. I remember specifically, um, it's funny how, like, sometimes I really vividly remember, like, certain pieces. But um, that one, I specifically went into my voiceover agent's office because they have a recording booth in there. And I went in to the office to record my audition. Cause sometimes I just record them from home myself, but this one, they were like, no, we want you to come in. We want it to sound a certain way and blah, 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 and give you direction and stuff. And I remember having like kind of my take on it and the engineer there, he was like, he finished my audition. He was like, 
this is your role. And I was like, oh, okay, well. And he has, but he has no say. And also when you're in that first round, it's like every voiceover agency in LA is, and probably New York are submitting to this one role. So anyway, I wound up getting a callback for it. And that's where I got to meet Steve. And (laughs) Steve and I bonded because I also did this like, reality Broadway competition show on MTV. It was like to play Elle Woods on Broadway. Yep. And Steve. Which you should have won. (laughs) I was robbed. Um, (laughs) Thank you. But Steve, you know, who wrote Saints Row, he oddly was a big musical theater fan and like also watched that show. And this was like, Maybe like a year later. What year did Saints Row 3 come out? Do you guys know? 2012, I think. 2012? Oh. 2012. Okay, so it was a couple years later, actually, because that was 2008 that I did the Legally Blonde show. So this was probably like in 2011, I think, that I met Steve. And he... Actually, it was 2011. You're right. Okay, so this was like 2010, I guess. So anyway, it doesn't matter. But yes, and Steve was like, um, I kind of know you from the Legally Blonde show. <laughs> I was like, what? And, um, we bonded over that and, and that was how it happened. That influence is all through Saints Row 3, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Does a recording exist of that Legally Blonde show? Yes, it does. It's actually, someone put it on YouTube, but you want to know the weird part and I think it's a conspiracy. Um, the episode where I get eliminated is missing. Dun-dun-dun. Mm. They're trying to eliminate it from history. I know. It's like... Right the wrong. Exactly. <laughs> so, but I actually have a copy of uh, that episode. So that's the Legally Blonde show, and I feel like that's why I got Saints Row. <laughs> <laughs> you say you generally don't really know what these projects are when you get them, but do you have any any inkling that Saints Row would become... Did you see the potential in it that it would become the mega franchise that it was? I think at the time, a lot of people were treating it as like, oh, yeah, it's just another GTA clone. But, uh, um, you know, it really blew up. Yeah, I I didn't know. I knew that it was, like, really fun. And it was my first video game that I had done where I was kind of playing, like, a, a regular human, you know? Because the other ones, like Final Fantasy, you know, they're obviously, like, what? different people. You mean to tell me that Terra isn't relatable in human? <laughs> I mean, she's like... <laughs> Magical powers and ethereal <laughs> creature, but <laughs> yes, she's not as relatable as Kinsey, I think. So I definitely remembered feeling like, oh, this is really fun and different. And I knew, like, it also, like, that game had sort of, like, I feel like it, it winks at itself a little bit. And oh yeah, that was really fun because obviously, like, I'm into comedy and things like that, so... For me, it was like, oh, I get to be, like, funny in this game. And we all had a great time. And we recorded some of the stuff, like, together, all of us. Yeah, that that was one thing I was going to ask, is, like, most voice acting is done separately. Like, you're in a booth, kind of alone. Like, how much of that experience, like, were you with people? It's lonely. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This one, in particular, most of the cutscenes were actually done... um, with as groups and we also would 
move, we would do, we would kind of block them. So like we would move around the recording booth, which was like this giant, this one studio, it's called PCB and it's at someone's house in the Valley and it's giant. It's giant. Um, it's beautiful and giant. And so, um, they would like kind of block it out. So we would like move, even though we weren't, they weren't using it for any mocap purposes. It was just to kind of get like, get into the character. Yeah. And the real energy of like what moving does to your voice and body when you're, yeah, when you're doing that. So that's what we did. (laughs) Verisimilitude. Yeah. I mean, for me, like I love doing voiceover and it's so cool and so fun and but I really love on camera because I, I love the whole process of like hair and makeup and props and looking pretty things. <laughs> I love looking pretty. And <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like to bring a little more of that where you're not just like standing or sitting and talking. It, it's definitely more interesting as an actor to because you're like embodying it more. Yeah. Your other vocal work has. I would say somewhat skewed a little younger. I guess you've mentioned the Nickelodeon show, for example. Yeah. So do you enjoy taking on more adult material with like Kinsey? I do. Well, cause I have like a really dirty mind and like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like really like gross sense of humor. So I feel like for me, like, yeah, Kinsey's awesome. She's so fun. It's a good outlet for you. Yes. It's like fun to be able to like, you know, curse and, you know, and then Kinsey's like way dirtier than me. So I'm like, whoa, this bitch is crazy. <laughs> Speaking of adult things, how do you feel about like the level of gore and brutality in, in that God of War game? <laughs> oh, my God. I know that one's pretty bad. <laughs> well, I never played it, so I have no idea. <laughs> did, they sh- did they show you some of the, yeah. the cutscenes and stuff? No, I've seen some of them. And yeah, I mean... I guess part of me also, like, I don't really like guns in general. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know God of War is different, but guns and things really scare me. So, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, Natalie, what are you doing? (laughs) You know, you don't like guns and you're promoting them. And then, you know, and then I'm like, whatever. (laughs) Should I take on a cause? And I'm like. No, who cares? No, <laughs> I agree with you. In, in real life, that stuff's terrifying. I don't want anything. To... <laughs> That's very, very different. I know. Well, I, I like if I watching like a movie or something and it has like a lot of gun violence in it, like I can't, I have such a hard time watching it. Like scares me. Oh, okay. It just scares me. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> as far as Kinsey goes, like, it's funny. You're one of the, I think you're one of the few characters in, in three and four who didn't sing at all. Like, did you, did you find that strange? <laughs> They let me sing in one of them. Okay. It was like a, I think it was a, a what do they call it? Oh my God. A downloadable. Oh, in the DLC, the, the downloadable content. Oh, okay. Yes. It was a DLC and they let me um, sing oh. in one of those. It was, in Get, was it in Get Out of Hell? Yes. Yes. It was like a dramatic lame style song. <laughs> it was very random, but yeah. Yeah, man. Get Out of Hell. Mark, did you play Get Out of Hell? Oh, yeah. I enjoyed hearing Jay Moore once again. <laughs> That's so funny. Thinking about Gat, you know, Gat Out of Hell is crazy narratively. Is the series had basically gone insane by that point? It's kind of funny thinking about the trajectory that it took from being like, oh yeah, it's a GTA type with with a little bit of humor to it getting really scatological in part two and dark, 
And then three just being wacky fun time. When you first read the script for Saints Row the Third, what was your reaction to the wacky direction that the series had gone? Well, what's interesting is like I never get the script in advance. So I'm always just kind of like winging it. Yeah. Reading it when I'm there. So it's funny how it's like, you know, basically like Steve, who was the writer, and he then eventually started to direct some of the voice directing. Um, mm-hmm. He's he just has to like explain everything to me. He's like, okay, so this is what happening, and so right before this, ball, you know what I mean. And I'm like trying to keep up with it and like make sense out of it. And I'm like, whoa, what is this? And I remember being like, this is a weird thing. Like, what is this? So yeah, it definitely was like, this is strange. Well, it's funny you mentioned Steve because I think he's now at Valve Entertainment. So there's a game called Half-Life 3 eventually going to get made that hopefully you'll be cast in. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, I actually worked with Steve. Oh, well, I guess it's it was last summer already. Wow, it's crazy. I don't know when it comes out. I don't even know if I'm allowed to talk about it. If you can't, but... that's fine. But Mark, I cannot cope how far you've gone into the realm of fantasy now with Half-Life 3. <laughs> oh, it'll happen. We both know. It wasn't, I can tell you it wasn't that that I worked on with him, but right. it was a, something else. It's probably some like Dota 2 character or something, knowing, knowing Valve at this point. It's a real testament, Natalie, to you not being plugged into the video game zeitgeist that Mark can mention Half-Life 3 and there's not. Like, you don't bet an eye. Like, oh yeah, whatever. I don't know what that means. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's infamous for basically being a thing that's supposed to have been made decades ago, and they've never, they just didn't. <laughs> and they've basically given up on it, and everybody still bugs them for it after years and years and years and years and years. Oh, because there's like a Half Life 1 and 2. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And, and uh, it ends on a big cliffhanger. How long has it been, like, Mark? 15 years? Well, at least 12, I think. I think the last one is 2007. Oh, man. Wow. Anyway. Well, well maybe Steve will resurrect it. I don't know. I hope so, because I could use a job. Yeah, I got to keep the faith. <laughs> regardless of what the project is, it's not going to be Half-Life 3, but regardless of what the project is, having an in at Valve, I think, is a great thing. That's going to be a great thing for you. Well, thanks, guys. I had no idea I had an in there, so <laughs> <laughs> now I know. I better check in. Now I can start bugging them for video games, uh, CD keys and stuff like that, free games. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. They don't give me anything. <laughs> I never even get the game. Wow. So that's okay. They should have Actually, been- I do have Final Fantasy. What was your favorite script that you did for Saints Row? Which Let if- me look them up really quick. I, there's definitely. I mean, you did three, one- four, yeah. and get out of hell. And then probably some miscellaneous DLC here and there. Well, I obviously liked Saints Row the third, but I liked Saints Row four because that was the one that like made fun of all the video game styles, oh, yeah. right? Was oh, it- yeah. Yeah. Kenzie's stuck in like a poodle skirt in like 1950s, like some VR thing. Yeah. I just thought that one was fun. I was picturing you in that role. Like if they, when they make that film adaptation, you'll look great in that. Awesome. <laughs> when they make a Saints Row movie, I don't even know. Like those games are all so different from each other. It, yeah. I don't know where you even start. I think they'll just probably take the characters and put them in a full new situation, I would guess. But yeah, I wonder. I mean, I don't even know. I mean, as long as they get you and Keith David, that's all you really need in that movie. Oh, <laughs> thank you. We'll see. <laughs> I'll dye my hair red. <laughs> so let's kind of talk about your general acting career. 
probably the biggest show people might know you from is The Middle. Yes. Uh, how did you get that role? Or, I mean, I have a few questions about that and you and Brittany Ross yeah. getting on that show. <laughs> yeah. So that show, okay, so The Middle, this is like a fun one if anyone's acting, listening to this. So I wound up doing like in April of 2011. I don't know why I know these dates. I wound up taking a casting director workshop with the casting director of The Middle. His name is G. Charles Wright. And we, you know, basically it was like a, it's like kind of a way to meet a casting director and, you know, show them what you do and hopefully like they remember you and maybe think of you in the future. And so I did that and it was like about a month long, like four classes in a month. And he and I like just were really friendly and he's just a really friendly, awesome guy. And, you know, he really, like, I could tell, like, he really liked me and, you know, we became Facebook friends, all these things. Right. So I kind of built this relationship with him and I wound up getting called in like in August of that summer of that year of 2011, I wound up getting called in for a role and the character was girl too. <laughs> and she had one line and I think it was okay or something like that. It was like nothing, you know? And so I, I remember getting that audition and being like, oh my God, I got an audition for the middle. And then being like, oh, it's girl too. And I have one line and that's sad, but I would do it, you know, cause we actors will do anything. Mm. And so yeah. I went in and I did it and he was like, that was great. I'm going to call you back to producers and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, great. And then I didn't hear anything. And like a whole week went by and I was like, what happened? And then I got a little message on Facebook and he was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't tell you this sooner, but I decided not to bring you in to, for producers because there's some other roles coming up like later in the season. And I want to save you for that. So just hang tight. Wow. And then cut to, you know, September, couple like a month later, and I get an audition for, to play, you know, the role that I wound up getting. And um yeah, and so that was that was it. And I'm really so grateful to him because that role was supposed to we were supposed to just do the one episode and that was it. And, you know, we wound up doing 13. So we actually did 14, but we got cut from one episode. So <laughs> so 13. But still, I mean, it was like such a cool, cool job and so much fun. Were you friends with Brittany beforehand or did you get her on the show or did she audition as well? <laughs> no. Okay. So I'll tell you that story too, if this isn't too long and boring. But so when we got the audition, basically they gave everyone the roles, um, Courtney and Debbie as one role. So in the first round of auditions, I just read the sides. Like you guys know what that means. Like mm -hmm. it's like just the excerpt from the script. That's the scenes for the audition. Yeah. And so I read the sides and I read Courtney and Debbie as one character. Right. So that was for the first round of auditions. And mm -hmm. then in the callbacks, they brought back, you know, they bring back like 10 people and it's for the producers are in the room. And so they had everyone go in one at a time and read Courtney and Debbie as one role. So we all did that. 
And then G, the casting director, came out and he was like, okay, now I'm going to do chemistry reads and mix and match you guys. And, you know, so one will read Courtney, one will read W, you'll switch, blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. So G looks at his list and he's like, okay, my first people are going to be Natalie Lander and Brittany Ross. And we're like, okay. So that's where Brittany and I met. We met in our callback and we're like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. Okay. We go in the room and... We both remember it the same way where we both just kind of were like, felt like this is working really well with us. Like we've just played off each other so well. And it was like, it was just like a perfect, it felt like a perfect dynamic. And, you know, the room was really responsive and they seemed to really like it. And then they were like, okay, great. Thank you. So then we got sent outside and we were sitting waiting and then like a couple minutes go by and G, the casting director, comes out and he was like, okay, um, actually everyone can go home. We don't need to see anyone else. Thanks. And we were like, oh shit. Like, first of all, if I had been one of the other actors that didn't get a chance to like mix and match, I would have been pissed. <laughs> and um, Brittany and I kind of like like slinked out of the room and we like looked at each other in the parking lot and we're like, I think I'll see you soon. You know, it was like, it was like either that moment was like, yeah, we got the part and there was nobody who could do it better than the two of us. Or it was like, they hated the roles and they're just going to write them out. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, Thankfully it was the first option (laughs) and that's how we met. We met in that callback and then, wow, you know, the rest is history. (laughs) You two did do a podcast for a short while. Did that just kind of end or is it suspended? Because I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, thanks. Did you, did you guys just get too busy? <laughs> yeah, we got, a, I mean, we got a little burnt out because we really wanted to release one episode a week for a full year. Yeah. And we got to like, we did like 35. We didn't get all the way. Um, it's just, it's a lot of work. Like, as you guys know, doing this. Um, and for us, I think we were hoping it would feel like more of a creative outlet and it it just wasn't that for us because we've, we've done lots of other things together and we've written together and we've done live shows together and all these things. And like, we just kind of were hoping like this would be like a fun, I mean, it wasn't not fun, but it wasn't as creative as we had hoped. And I think we just kind of got both got burnt out on it because it's just a lot of work to get, you know, we recorded it like all together, like, you know, live and we were all in the room. So, you know, to coordinate schedules, to get people to, sh- you know, to show up, like it was just kind of a lot of work and then the editing and all these things and then promoting it. And tell me about it. Yeah, it was just, <laughs> it was hard. And we were like, you know, to make money doing it also, it's a long road. So we were just like, you know. I don't know if this is for us <laughs> is what happened. So, so yeah, so we just, you know, I don't think we'll never do it again, but I think for now we kind of got what we wanted out of it and, and we're like, yeah, let's just leave it for now. Yeah. I mean, having like an infrequent recording schedule or even just release schedule, that's fine for people. Yeah. It's like, maybe I thought like we kind of were like, well, if we meet someone who would be really fun to have on, like, let's just do an episode for fun and put it out there and, and that's it, you know? But yeah, we've, we kind of just like, I think we just burnt the candle at both ends on that one. And 
and we're like, what are we doing? You know, we were recording like every week and, you know, writing material, you know, it just, it was a lot. So I've had that exact same experience where I had to dial back because it was just eating up my entire life outside of work. So I completely relate to you there. Yeah. It's hard. I really admire people who like do it and make money doing it because it's super hard to get it out there and get people to listen. And thanks, Mark. You're a one listener. <laughs> Just kidding. We had like four. <laughs> I need to go back and listen to your old shows because I, I was not aware of this of this podcast. But they're on iTunes. Now I want to hear it. Yeah. Okay. Good. They're silly. They're cute. You had a part in Wherever I Go, the series finale, <laughs> no less, of Hannah Montana. <laughs> I was like, what's that? Which is regarded as one of the classic episodes of the show. What was that experience like? This is what you're dialed into, by the way. (laughs) Oh, man. Your your face is just so... I wish I could have the video feed on the show because it's so good. Oh, my God. That is so funny. When you were like, wherever I go, I'm like, what (laughs) is that? Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, Hannah Montana. Well, I have a very long, weird connection to Hannah Montana. For some weird reason. I would love to hear all about it. So my first job, (laughs) I was born on March 20th. No, I'm kidding. Um, My first job out of college, uh, like as a, you know, I don't know what professional, I guess, was I worked at Disneyland as a performer. And I did a live version of High School Musical there. And it was awesome. And like as a 22-year-old working at Disneyland, singing and dancing is like... You think you're on Broadway? I thought I was on Broadway. <laughs> so, but I wasn't. I was in Anaheim. And so, um, we, Same place. basically, it's basically Broadway. I was working there and Hannah Montana was out and Miley Cyrus was like a big deal. So one of the things they, sometimes they would have you, like they would hire the performers to do like special events and things. So one of the things I got to do was be the host of Miley Cyrus's Sweet 16 at Disneyland. I was like the the cast member from Disney and I would like I like greeted the family and like met Miley and then I was like then I brought her up on like this giant like float where she like blew out a fake birthday cake, you know, like fake candles <laughs> and it was for like Good Morning America. It was like all this stuff. So it was like this cheesy like thing, but I just thought I was like I was like, this is it. Like, I'm going to get discovered on this cake. Um, (laughs) And that's where I first met her. And, of course, you know, that was it. Nothing happened. And it was, But it was just really funny. And then, like, the next year I went as Hannah Montana for Halloween. And so, anyway, so when I got this audition, I actually had auditioned for Hannah Montana a few times. And little fun fact, my husband did an episode of Hannah Montana. Yeah. Before I knew him. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, we're just really connected to Hannah Montana. It's just so random that, like, of all the two shows we would ever cross over on, it was Hannah Montana. And so, um, and he hates his, <laughs> he hates his episode. It's pretty funny, though. Um, but he, uh, so anyway, so, yeah, so I went in for this role. I actually went in for a different role. And... They called me back for this other one, and I was just, like, so excited because I had always wanted to be on that show, and I literally didn't get on it until the last episode. So 
was like, yeah, under the wire. Yeah. So I was like, oh my God, I did it. And, um, yeah, I remember, you know, Miley, you know, she didn't remember me from her birthday (laughs) party. I was like, I was like, Hey girl, you know, (laughs) and she's like, hi, like what, why are you being weird? I'm like, just kidding. We're not friends. Okay. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, I had like a really small part. You spared me having to ask what Miley Cyrus was like, the most annoying questions I could possibly ask you. She was fine. If anything, you know, I also have to remember like it was the last episode. So I think everyone was having like senioritis kind of thing. They were like ready to get out of there. So you could kind of collectively feel like everyone was like, I'm done with this, you know, but I had a fun time. That's good. You know, it must feel good to be on one of the series finales. That's actually good. <laughs> I, you know, no, it's not. It's not Game of Thrones. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's so funny. I would. I wonder, like, you know, you know how they've been like rebooting all those shows. Like, what if they brought it back and like they bring back my character? You know, Annie. <laughs> She's just. <laughs> she was so integral. Here it comes. Sorry to bother you. Do you have a pen? Who do you want me to make it out to? Oh, no. I just need to write my roommate's phone number down. I think it'd be funny. What if... I mean, you can, yeah. you can still pass as a high school student, so you'll be fine. <laughs> no, it's totally fine. Yeah, that's fine. That's so funny. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I was going to ask, and I, I mean, I emailed you about this and you said it was fine, is yeah. uh, your dad has MS. I mean, he's had it for years, I think. I mean, yes. How is he doing health wise? Yeah. So, I mean, every day is different. My dad was diagnosed with MS when I was 18 months and I'm 36. So he's had it for a long time. And we've been really lucky that it wasn't a fast progressing disease. His, his didn't progress very fast. So yeah, so knock on wood, he's been great. And I'd say it was like in the last like 12 years, he started, you know, using a scooter more. Um, But lately, like my dad and I, we have a great relationship. He's like my favorite person, best friend in the world. And we see each other for brunch every week. And we usually take the like companion chair that I like push him in and... um Lately, he's been taking the walker, so he's been getting a lot, like, stronger. Actually, we had, like, a physical therapist come over and, like, assess him, and they were like, "Uh, he's strong enough to be using the walker. He's just lazy. (laughs) So... So that's his new diagnosis, is uh, he's just lazy. That's great to hear. I mean... I was about to say, like, man, mood whiplash from Mark there with that question, but uh, good to hear good news. Way to bring it down, Mark. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, no, but he's great. And like, you know, I mean, yeah, it sucks. Like that stuff sucks. You know, I, I feel for anyone who's going through that kind of thing. Um, and it's hard on, on everyone. It's hard on the person. It's hard on the caretakers. It's hard on the family, like all those things. It's just hard. But what's so wonderful about my dad is he has such a great attitude. I've never met someone who lives in the moment more than him. Like he's just so in the present, like he doesn't worry about the future. He's not bitter about the past. He's not, he's just like, this is the circumstances and he's so accepting. And it's really like, he's a good role model in learning how to accept things. 
That's great. I mean, older people would know your dad a lot more than, I guess, people of our generation. But yeah, yeah I've seen him and stuff, and he was always a great actor. He seemed like a good person. Yes, he's so cute. He's the cutest. I'm like that Michael McKeon. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, screw that guy. No. <laughs> what What about Michael McKean? Oh, no. I mean, they were – he was Lenny. <laughs> You're more familiar with the with the 50s, not the 70s, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm way more familiar with Polly. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, my dad and Michael actually created Lenny and Squiggy when they were in college together, just like as characters, like that they improvised oh. – yeah. That's cool. Isn't that cool? Uh-huh. I know. So I've never seen that. I need to see that, I guess. Oh, you would love Laverne and Shirley. It's tons of fun. Mm. Well, Jens is from Germany, so some like some older US TV. Right. Like he never he never saw Sanford and Son. It's like everyone <laughs> No, I, that that's this is, these are all blind spots. These are all blind spots. For but me. you love Hannah Montana. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Well, you know, you can make fun of me. I, I don't care. I have all sorts of interests that probably shouldn't be aired. But. <laughs> That's so funny. I love it. This reminds me, though. Did your dad or uh, or mom or or even your grandmother, did they ever give you any, like, acting tips that stuck with you? Yeah. You know, my dad was very integral in kind of teaching me, like, about comedy and, like, what that was and... You know, he was like, the most important thing in comedy is timing. And I was like, okay. But then he followed up with great timing saying, but you can't teach that. You're just bored with it. (laughs) And I was like, oh, great. Thanks, dad. Um, But I really think like timing is everything. I really think I got my comedic timing, you know, from my dad. I think I just growing up watching him. And also just being around him in in a household where he was just a funny guy. And I think that's one of the greatest things I learned from him. Another thing I learned from him was that he was kind of like terrible at like learning lines and things like that. Like he just didn't really (laughs) care. He's like, ah, whatever. You know, I guess when you're that funny, you're you're like, I'll make it up if I have to. (laughs) So if anything, I kind of learned my professionalism of like, okay, I don't want to do it the way he did it. So I'm going to do it my way. So, and he always says that I'm, you know, way more professional than he ever was. So, so that's why, you know, with comic timing and whatnot, that's why the particular process that you went through with Saints Row makes so much sense. Did they maintain a lot of the timings from your performance when you were kind of acting it out on a stage uh, in the final game? Or did that get, because usually with games, you know, those. Those, you know, dialogues get cut up and then they get triggered at certain times and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of the delivery remained, like the timing of the delivery remained the same and things like that. And, you know, with, you know, with games, usually we do like three takes in a row of the same line. Um, And then they choose which one they think is the best. And so... And luckily, hopefully, I just give them three good takes, and they're like, we don't know which one we like. <laughs> okay, I was just picturing, when you were talking earlier about, you know, acting it out on stage, I was picturing, like, full session takes rather than... Oh, yes. Sorry, I see what you're saying. So, yeah, no, when we were doing, like, the cut scenes and we're, like, doing them as a group, we would probably do the whole scene collectively three times in a row. But I'm not sure. They probably cut them up, I'm going to guess, and pick from different... Mm-hmm. 
takes. Gotcha. And then just just use the live read for guidance. Basically. Yes, exactly. That makes sense. I mean, they haven't talked about it or anything, but if they ever make a Saints Row Five, I assume you'd be up for the role again, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, a hundred percent. Yeah, I love it. Here's hoping. I mean, Volition's kind of moved off that series for a bit, and you were an agents of Mayhem. What's it called? Agents of Mayhem, also. Yeah, which is basically Saints Row, but with all the character names changed. But the writers of that game, I really loved too. They were really great. Uh, when are you and Brittany going get, to get, get a TV show together? I know, right? We need a show. God damn it. <laughs> um, I know. You know, we we wrote, we actually wrote a show together. Um, and it was based off a short film that we did that Jared and I wrote together. Okay. That's my husband. Sorry. Yeah. And um, so the three of us created a show kind of based on these characters, the Jennies. And one's name is Jenny with, but and the other is Jenny. And we've written it, um, there's like actually two different series of it. And we've, like, it was in development at a company at Warner Brothers a couple of years ago and then just never really went anywhere. And then we've had people take interest in it. And then it's just really hard to sell a show. Um, but I still have faith. And I'm doing a lot of other writing right now as well. Um, on my own. So that's cool. You know, awesome. So you're going to try and sell your own scripts to some, uh, some studios. I mean, yeah, I would love that. I've, I've done some writing like Jared and I, we wrote a show for awesomeness TV for a while, um, called teen survival guide. And then it got like sucked up into this other show called hacking high school. And it was like a sketch kind of high school sketch comedy show. Mm -hmm. And, um, I really love writing, but one thing I realized was, I mean, this is going to sound so obnoxious, but I really like writing for myself <laughs> to act in, you know, because uh, so I loved writing. That's how you get the best roles. <laughs> exactly. You're just like Kevin Smith now. <laughs> Basically. Um, <laughs> this, is the, this is very unflattering. <laughs> <laughs> minus the pot much. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little cuter, but um, I'll take it. <laughs> but I think I wrote a feature um, this year, and oh, Mark, you'll appreciate this. Shoot. It has a cat in it. Of course. <laughs> um, we have a cat thing. Yeah. And <laughs> well, Jens has met my cat. He came, Aww. he flew up here, he visited me this year. And he likes him. <laughs> That's a very nice cat. I wish he were a little bit more uh, affectionate, but yeah. when he wants food, he will, uh, Pipe up. He will uh, um, come up to you. Oh, that's so cute. Cats are the best. Oh, yeah. Jens doesn't have cats. He just has figurines from anime shows. No, I, I'm too, uh, too OCD about cleanliness to have animals, but I love animals. Oh, yeah. It's hard. I know. We don't have any pets right now. We're, we're actually fish sitting right now. We're, we're babysitting a fish. Um, we were babysitting two fish, and one died. <laughs> so maybe we're not good fish sitters. <laughs> yeah, that'll happen with fish. But in our defense, we were told it was going to die. So that's okay. You can't cuddle with them too much, unfortunately. <laughs> no. This fish, though, has a lot of personality. So, like, you go up to the tank, and I'm like, I'm like, hey, fish. And it's like... <laughs> what's up it like comes up and like wiggles and it's like i'm a fish i don't know that's my impression of the fish <laughs> i feel like the fish doesn't have a lot of thoughts 
And all it thinks is, I'm a fish. That's the way it is. That sums it up. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm a fish. Ooh, food. And, and that's it. That's all it does. I'm now picturing Natalie on uh, Ardman's Creature Comforts show. Oh, I need to be on that. Uh, actually, doesn't HBO has something like that, right? Yeah. Animals, it's called? That's what I thought, it, that's what I thought you were talking about, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, uh, this was also, you know, the Wallace and Gromit studio yeah. did something like that a while back. Oh, Animals also animated. I didn't realize. Hmm. Interesting. What do you think has been your most popular, like, live action role? Debbie or... Um... Yeah, probably, because I think that was, like, you know, the the role that I did the longest live action. I really loved working on George Lopez's show, but, like, four people watched that. <laughs> I watched that because of you, so... Aw, <laughs> thank you. Well, yeah, no one really caught on. I thought that show was really funny, but uh, I wonder if it was a little too, like, inside, because it was all about the business, the entertainment industry. Um, and it didn't, it didn't last very long. Also TV land was kind of like rebranding. Like now, you know, it, it, it wanted to do scripted shows, you know, original scripted shows and now it doesn't. And I'm not sure. They seem to rebrand every three or four years. <laughs> yeah. They haven't really figured out what they are. Oh, hold for fire truck. <laughs> Oh, police car. Okay. It's nice to know you live in a safe neighborhood. Yeah, we actually recently moved and we we bought a place. And so we we actually live in a an up-and-coming neighborhood. <laughs> so there's a lot of uh, police cars. <laughs> so any last questions, Jens? You had in your notes that you wanted to talk about the currently living. Yeah. What are you currently living for your, segment? Steal your podcast bit <laughs> because you're here. Oh, I love that. That's so cool. What am I living for right now? Oh, my gosh. Well, a couple things. I recently actually started taking classes, improv classes over at the Groundlings. Um, not sure if you guys are familiar with them as a comedy theater. Oh, yeah. But a lot of like great, funny people came out of there and went to SNL. And so I started taking classes there and it started in January. And you have to like, you have to start at beginner and then you move your way up and all this move stuff. Up to intermediary so, and then you become part of the show, I think, right? Yeah. So right now I'm in the advanced class. I really love it. It's really, really cool. So it's something. I've never done improv really. I mean, I've improvised in my work, but I've never, I would never consider myself an improviser. And it's been really fun. And like, it's, I'm learning something new, which is cool. And I never really, you know, you kind of get to a certain point where you're like, this is what I do. And that's how I do it, you know? And now I'm like, wait a second. I'm kind of like learning a new muscle. So that's something I'm really enjoying and living for right now. Yeah, I think that's that's the one. That's the big one. Oh, and my house and our new house. <laughs> Although I feel like it's trying to kill me because <laughs> what's like a mess, <laughs> and then just actually living. <laughs> I'm just living for living. Excellent. Yeah. That's what you tell your therapist. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm like crying. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, this was great. Well, thank you, guys. I'm so glad this worked out. I'm so glad you're not in London. I don't know where that came from. 